Kia ora. I'm Damien Venuto. It's December 6th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. In the two years since Harry and Meghan sat down with Oprah, one question has hung over the royal family. Just who in the family raised concerns about the colour of Prince Archie's skin before his birth? Now, for the first time, those two previously anonymous senior royals have been named in a since-pulled Dutch translation of a new book about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex and their royal battles. It has sparked yet another scandal that has involved all the key players in modern themes of royal life. From press scrutiny of the family to the ongoing tensions between Prince William, Harry and their wives. Today, on the front page, NZ Herald Lifestyle and Travel Deputy Editor Emma Gleeson joins us to discuss just how royally they've messed up this time. Emma, take us back to March 2021. We all remember that scene with Oprah Winfrey and Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, sitting in white armchairs in Winfrey's backyard. How did that interview plant the seeds for the scandal we're now seeing unfolding? So it was all quite serene. They're in this garden, everything's relaxed, and then they drop a bombshell. So we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? There is a conversation. Hold up, hold up. There's several right conver- now. There are several conversations. There's a about conversation it. with you. With Harry. About how dark your baby is going to be? Potentially, and what that would mean or look like. Ooh. And you're not going to tell me who had the conversation? I think that would be very damaging to them. So following this, Buckingham Palace did actually release a statement, obviously, because the news went crazy, and it's Oprah and it's Harry and Meghan. And Palace said the issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some regulations may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. So they acknowledged it and said they'd work through it. So, you know, that was 2021. Fast forward 30 months and the scandal is still ongoing. So perhaps not enough has been done to rectify those issues. Now we've seen dozens of books about the royals released since that interview. But why has this publication Endgame and all its cinematic connotations sparked royal tension this time? So this is Omid Scobie's new book. And I mean, the title is great because it, you know, suggests something final, winners and losers. And God knows everyone loves to pick a side these days, and especially when it comes to Harry and Meghan. So the book has lots of claims. The ones I really liked are that Charles has people iron his shoelaces. And there was also an interesting thing about the palace encouraging Kate and Meghan to channel Diana through their fashion and jewellery, which is, I mean, obvious. So it was nice that someone else agreed because we all see it. But the big one is the royal racists, which I do have to say, that's the name the media is giving the scandal. So the book doesn't say that they're racist. Harry and Meghan says unconscious bias. So it's very much about the words, but the media is calling it royal racist. That's what's coming up in Google. That's the headline. So the book describes letters shared between the Duchess and Charles. And Scobie said about this part of the book, laws in the United Kingdom prevent me from reporting who they were. So... As far as we knew, no names. Then comes the Dutch version. Oh boy. So in the Dutch version, there was the first edition printed and some of the names were in there. These two royals that were accused of being racist or unconscious bias, whichever word we're using. 
So this was on shelves. The Dutch media picked up on it. And the publisher told the UK News that it had received a request to pull the books. So everyone's reporting on it and no one really knows what happened or how it got in there. Oman Scobie's insisting that he didn't give a manuscript with names. But apparently the Dutch translator received a copy with the names from Scobie's agent. So Scobie says he doesn't know. Apparently the agency said this man's manuscript with the names. And then the translator, who's Saskia Peters, she told Daily Mail... She translated what was in front of her, and the names of the royals were there in black and white, which is quite um, good phrasing for an issue like this. So how did the pro-royal, anti-Sussex broadcaster Pierce Morgan get involved in all of this? Yeah, speaking of uh, end games and winners and losers, Pierce has a side. So yeah, overnight on Wednesday New Zealand time, on his show Uncensored on Talk TV, named the royals. So we woke up to that on Thursday morning and thought, oh God, okay, what do we do? So the way he framed it was he said it was all not true, but he did name them. So he named them as Charles and Kate. And initially media wasn't reporting what he had said. They were reporting that he had said it. So he kicked it all off. And then by Friday morning, The Guardian, other outlets like that, The Times, NZ Herald, it's out there. So people have started reporting on the names. So yeah, Piers really opened the floodgates. Why is it that Morgan saying the names almost creates a bigger story than the book itself? That's a really good question. I think the fact that they're in this news cycle and the fact that there was all this denial and mystery and people want to know. So it's kind of creating a new story where maybe if they just published it and it became another line in the book, it could have been another ironing shoelaces thing. But the fact that there was denials and there was mystery, especially with the royals, because they're kind of public property, there's an expectation that we should know what's going on. The interesting thing with Morgan is that the way he announced the news, he was saying it wasn't true. So he kind of gave himself a bit of an escape hatch there by saying, this is false. I want to create a debate. He's all about transparency and obviously the name of his show is uncensored so he's on that free speech kind of bandwagon so yeah the way he positioned the story was quite clever and he's obviously a master at media and getting sound bites out there but also not getting in trouble i'm going to tell you the names of the two senior royals who are named in that Dutch version of the book. Because frankly, if Dutch people wandering into a bookshop can pick it up and see these names, then you, British people, who actually pay for the British royal family, you're entitled to know too. Do you think that these defamation laws are a little bit outdated? When people in one country can read a piece of information that's readily available everywhere in the world, and therefore the rules aren't as applicable or useful as what they once were? Yeah, that's definitely a good question. And obviously, all of those laws were written before where we are now. Once upon a time, you'd sit down with your copy of the New Zealand Herald, and that's where you got your news, and there was jurisdiction, and there were rules about how things could be reported. And now... Not only can you see what the Dutch news are reporting on, you can see what someone's posting in Reddit about something. You can read Facebook comments, Twitter. So even just beyond traditional media who are online and still have codes of ethics and all of those kind of things that we subscribe to, there's the wild west of new media and like Web 3.0 where there aren't really rules. So people are just saying whatever they want and 
unmasking and obviously there's a big appetite for gossip. It's a new landscape for sure. And even if you are a little bit litigious, who do you even go about suing? Because you could sue Pierce Morgan, but then it's spread so far. So do you sue every other person that's coveted since that moment? And when do you stop? Well, that's the thing. And obviously the palace is apparently making inquiries with their lawyers and meeting with people. And it could lead to the courts. But who are they going to go after? Because Pierce Morgan... The actual kind of excuse he could use is it's called Bane and Antidote Defense. And I'm no expert, but from a bit of Googling, it kind of means that you give context to balance a claim. So it's the thing if he said this, but he's like, but it's not true. So it kind of gets him off. But then they could also go after Omid Scobie, who's also denying he knows of anything and he didn't put it in the manuscript. So then do they go after the agency or the publishers or do they go after Harry and Megan? So there's a lot of people involved, but everyone's kind of passing that hot potato and saying, I didn't know. So you don't know who they would go after and whether it would be worth it. It does feel, though, that everyone along the links have received some level of legal advice to ensure that there's enough plausible deniability here to ensure that litigation doesn't become a real concrete reality. Yeah, exactly. And I also think it's important to sort of look back at how Harry and Megan have sort of approached this. Like, they've never used the word racist. They've always talked about unconscious bias and tried to do a lot to raise awareness for what that concept is. And it goes back to the thing of intention. So, like, was the intention there? Was it not? For the latest news from around the globe, head to nzherald.co.nz slash world. And be sure to follow the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. The other thing, too, is that if the royal family does go onto the defensive and talk about this more, you have that thing called the Streisand effect, where you try and bury something, but the more you try and bury it, the more people are paying attention to it. So does it almost make more sense for the royal family to just keep quiet and let this blow over? Yeah, I mean, they've weathered a lot worse things in the past, and they're the masters at keeping quiet and hoping something goes away. So in the scheme of things that have happened to the family over the years, it's not the biggest scandal. I mean, we've seen Prince Andrew back in the... uh, Land Rover going to church with them all. So, you know, they are a bit Teflon in a way. But I do think part of the reason people are hinging on this is it's kind of representative of something larger with the royal family and lots of discussions around race and legacy and accountability. So I think the fact that it is framed around racism is why people are kind of latching on. Have we seen any official statement from the royal family at all? So statements I've seen are that they're exploring all options and not ruling out legal action and... It's business as usual for the king, who's at COP28. And back in 2021, William did say we are not a racist family. So he did come out and say that. But again, it's semantics. And I think the thing with the racist claim is it does carry a lot of weight, especially these days, is there's discussions around decolonization. You've got countries in like the West Indies pushing for independence. And William and Kate had quite a unsuccessful tour of the Caribbean. Yeah, it didn't go very well. So they're very aware of the optics and how they're perceived. And with calls for reparations and justice, it's definitely a hot topic in the palace right now, I think. Sir, have you broke, Have you spoken to your brother since the interview? <laughs> no, I haven't spoken to him yet, but I will do. And, and can you just let me know, is the, the royal family a racist family, sir? No, we're very much not a racist family. Emma, when you look at the Caribbean tour and the outcry that there was during that visit by William and Kate to the Caribbean, 
Do you think that that movement is still growing internationally? Do you think that's going anywhere anytime soon? Do you think that that's really the bigger threat here to the idea of the monarchy, at least on a global level? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a big push in Global South and people that were once colonial dominions, if that's the right word, for some kind of justice, because we've seen the impacts of colonial policy and racism and slavery, and it hasn't stopped. It is multi-generational. So there's definitely a growing movement with that. And I also think the Queen had quite a bit of goodwill behind her. Whether you feel the same is up to you, but with her passing, I think a lot of that has gone. And there's a lot in the media as well about the cost of the crown to the British public and people in the Commonwealth. And The Guardian's been particularly dogged about publishing everything from their income and tax to Charles's estate taking over from people who have passed away and their assets go to the estate. And yeah, I mean, who knows what will happen here. This time a year ago, we were all gearing up for the blockbuster Sussex documentary on Netflix. Now we've had Spare, we've had Endgame, and multiple other incidents and accusations since then. Do you think there's any way back for Harry and Meghan into the fold of the royal family if they wanted to go back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they welcomed Prince Andrew back. I mean, yes, they're the firm, and yes, they're this big thing, but at the end of the day, they are family and they're all related to each other. So you do hope that families can heal from things. Do you think that this will ultimately be damaging for King Charles and the Princess of Wales, or do you think that they have enough popularity to kind of see this through? I mean, it's interesting timing because they're in the period of quite a rebrand of sorts. Obviously, Charles has taken the helm. He's trying to present a more modern monarchy and pushing what he cares about, things like the climate and environment. But, yeah, I think it'll blow over. I think they've had way worse things leveraged at them before, and this is just another news story. So... It'll definitely be more than a footnote, but I think they're going to just ignore it and, yeah, hope it goes away. But it might not. It does feel like just another news story, but it has been four years since Megxit. So what do you think the royal family should do to stop 2024 again being dominated by incidents and allegations involving two people who allegedly don't actually want anything to do with this family? I think they need to have some kind of coming together, whether it's behind closed doors and we don't hear about it, or some kind of public appearance, because it would shut everyone up, to be honest. And they don't want anything to do with the royal family, but they're still part of that narrative and that history, so you kind of can't walk away from that, especially if you're going to stay in the media eye. So I think they just need to have a cup of tea and work it out. In the Oprah interview, you accuse members of your family of racism. You don't even... well. Of the British press said that. Right. I, did did Meghan ever mention they're, they're racist? She said there were troubling comments about yeah, Archie's skin There was skin concern color. about his skin colour. Right. Wouldn't you describe that as essentially racist? I wouldn't. A lot of the recent history of the royal family seems to come down to its ability to control the narrative in the media. So... Is the royal family becoming a little bit worse at that or have they not fully prepared for the impact of social media and now they're paying the price for maybe letting that slide a little bit? I mean, they're not alone in grappling with social media. It's this uncontrollable beast and it's fed by algorithms and it thrives on engagement and anger and they're a very polarising family and public figures. So I think, yeah, they like everyone are trying to grapple with what it is now and what the rules are and how you control your image when you've got less control over it. It's no longer them going for a pap walk and calling a tabloid to plant a story. It's bigger than they can control now. The other interesting thing here is that we do see instances of historical figures being revisited, historical institutions being revisited, 
and the modern sentiment being applied to those. So in that context, how much trouble do you think they're in? It'd be interesting, actually. I'd love to talk to some uh, Gen Zers about how they feel about the monarchy and the royal family and whether they see them as kind of innocuous or pointless or more or less benevolent. I don't know. What do you think? I'd hope that there's at least some reckoning of the past Mm. and the atrocities committed under colonial rule. Mm. I think that's an important story that needs to be told because those voices were often silenced. Yeah, I mean, Charles, obviously he's at COP28 right now and he's big on global warming and the environment and there's a lot of push from countries in the global south for climate reparations specifically because they bear the brunt of emissions and all the awful things that are happening which are disproportionately caused by wealthy countries. So it's this legacy of colonization and wealth and equality. And I imagine Charles is thinking about that. So it could be a really good PR move for the family. Thanks for joining us, Emma. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.